Hear the word of the Lord. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David leaped and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with content for him. When David returned home to bless his own family, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person would do. David reported to Michal, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord, yes. And I'm willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls mentioned will indeed think I'm distinguished. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning. My name is Bobby. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you could join us today. Sojourn Kids in the house. Yeah, yeah. This is All Together Sunday. If you're new here, normally we have a nursery and kids classes in the other side of this building, but today we're all together. So kids, uh, some of you have been through Chuck, Mr. Chuck and Miss Larilla's class Others are in that class right now, and others will go through it when you get a little bit older. Mr. Chuck has two classroom rules that I thought would be great for us for the next 20 minutes or so. So we're going to abide by Mr. Chuck's classroom rules today, and they are, number one is respect, and that's pretty simple. You show respect to me by looking forward and paying attention as best you can, and then I show respect to you by teaching you something from the Word of the Lord that will help you every day of your life. Number two, no paper airplanes or spitballs or paper wads, anything like that, and you're going to be tempted because there's all kinds of paper around you. As a matter of fact, when you came in, we handed you a bulletin, and on the inside of that bulletin, you'll find today's scripture as well as some discussion questions to help you dig into the sermon. And in the back of that, there's some upcoming events that we hope that you will attend. And we also handed you a two-sided invite card to some women's ministry events, and we handed you another insert that we'll talk about a little bit later in this sermon. Not to mention connect cards on some of the seat backs in front of you. So if you are a visitor, you can fill those out and you can drop those off at this box right before you exit for the parking lot at the end of the service. And then there's giving envelopes. There's all kinds of stuff. So you're going to be tempted, but each of those pieces of paper has a specific purpose. And that purpose is never uh, paper airplanes. All right. All right. So most of us learn early in life that We may not fit in if we don't present ourselves in a certain way, act in a certain way, carry ourselves in a certain way, walk, talk, and dress in a certain way. Basically, in whatever group of people you want to fit in with, the smart people, the funny people, the successful people, the athletic people, even the lazy people, we try to convince those people that we are like the Wonder Woman and Superman of that group. We are the smartest the most athletic, the funniest, the most successful, or even the laziest. And we do this because we want to fit in, right? We want to be chosen. We want to be picked for the team, liked on the playground, respected in the workplace, loved in the home. Unfortunately, in real life, most of us are less like Wonder Woman and Superman and more like 
Myrtle and Smyrtle. Now, this is not about clothes. That's the, the slide is just a, a funny way to, to demonstrate what's going on in our hearts. We try to convince everyone else and even ourselves that we're like Wonder Woman or Superman, but deep down, we fear that we're really just Myrtle and Schmyrtle. But even if you are a stylish dresser, even if you're good looking, even if you're close to being a real superhero of uh, the classroom or the boardroom, the soccer field or the mission field, sooner or later, you will be around a group of people who are better than you or who can make you think they are better than you. And those people really like to rub it in. And that brings us to today's story in the life of David. King David is with a group of people who are bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the capital city of the Israelites, Jerusalem. Now, this is not Noah's big ark. This is not a boat. This is, we've got a picture of it here. This is a small wooden box covered in gold. It's got all kinds of fancy decorations, and you see the the poles on either side for carrying. Uh, Here's a picture of what Steven Spielberg thinks it looks like. So shout out to all the Gen Xers in the room, Indiana Jones and a bad guy. But, but you'll notice that the actual ark looks the same. This is one instance where Hollywood got it right because the Bible is very clear about how the ark was to be built so we know exactly what it looks like. And the ark was special because God told the Israelites that wherever the ark was, his presence would be. So it's kind of like God is coming home and David is so excited that he's dancing in the streets. And then his wife sees him. 2 Samuel 6, verse 16 But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked down from a window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. Now, first, her name here isn't pronounced Michelle or Michael. Uh, Anytime you see this word in the Bible, the the best way I can think of to remember how to pronounce it is, you know that that sound that a donkey makes? Michal, Michal. That's her name. Uh, her, her, her dad was old King Saul, and he displayed a lot of bad judgment in his life. So this is maybe uh, just one more proof of that. Named his daughter after the sound that a donkey makes. We all have a mihal in our life. Most of us have several. Now, to be fair, David didn't look very impressive for a king. The word uh, that we translate in our English versions as dancing in in the Hebrew, it it means something different than the word that we translate as dancing in other parts of the Bible. It it means he was leaping and spinning for joy. So this wasn't like some cool street dancing with the priests laying down some beats for King David. This wasn't like dancing with the stars and the judges giving David the perfect 10 score. This was someone who looked kind of like an idiot. And Michal, when she got a hold of him, she let him know. Verse 20, she said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. Now, she's exaggerating when she says that he's exposing himself. If you read this story earlier in the chapter, King David had decided not to wear his royal king clothes, but instead wear a simple priest's garment, simple robe, very low key. And so Michal was basically saying, dude, you're like Superman, but you're down there among the losers, dressed like nerdy old Clark Kent. The glasses you need to keep pushing up onto the bridge of your nose, even though you have x-ray vision. 
I recently went on vacation and I saw this sign in a gift shop. It said, always be yourself unless you can be Superman. Then you should always be Superman. And that sounds funny, but many of us really try to live that out. We want to be chosen. And the Michals all around us are saying, you're not good enough. You should be looking out for your image. The problem with looking out for your image is that sooner or later, you become imaginary. And if no one knows the real you, then no one really likes you. They just like this image, this person that you're trying to be, this this person that you're trying to convince the world you really are. So why is David so happy in today's story? Why does he feel so free to be himself instead of living into this image of what a king is supposed to be like, how a king is supposed to dress, how a king is supposed to act, how a king is supposed to dance? Well, in verse 21, David retorted to Michal, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, and I am willing to look even more foolish than this. David says, God chose me, the God of all the universe, the giver of all good things, the one who can raise life from the dead and cause people to live with him in his kingdom forever. That God chose me. And the greatest wonder to David is not just that God chose him, but that he did so in spite of the fact that God knows him. See, David wasn't always the most impressive fellow. David was the runt of his litter of eight. He was the youngest of eight boys. He was the one that no one expected would become king of Israel. Not only was David sometimes unimpressive, but David did some horrible things in his life. And David was keenly aware that God knew all of the unimpressive things about him and all of the deep, deep sin in his life and in his heart. And we know that David was aware of this because one time David wrote a song called Psalm 139. Here are some, some of David's song lyrics. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. David, can truly say he knows me and he chose me. And the good news for us, and the reason that we can have a, have a happy self-confidence, even if others think we're losers, is that God didn't just choose David. Let's look at something from a preacher named Paul who lived 1,000 years after David. Paul was writing to us in a, a letter that we call Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance, again, even before he made the world, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. 
Think about that. He knows you and he chose you. It's not like he said, you know, I really tried to create a Wonder Woman there, but she turned out to be a real myrtle. Guess I'm stuck with her. What are you going to do? No, from your head to your toes, from your knees to your nose, he knows you and he chose you and it gave him great pleasure. And he's chosen others too. Remember the last thing that David said in today's story, verse 22, 2 Samuel chapter 6. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. We have God and a community. God gives us the acceptance that we need, not only directly from God to us, but look all around you. Look at this room full of people. And there'll be another room, probably even more full of people at the 11 o'clock service. And there are Christians all over New Albany and Southern Indiana and the Louisville area and the United States of America and the entire world. More brothers and sisters than you could possibly count. And so he tells us in Romans 15, verse 7, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. Since God has accepted us in spite of all he knows about us, let's accept each other. And it goes deeper. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. We have to know each other really well if we're going to be able to think of ways to motivate one another. Spend a lot of time with God's people. Every possible Sunday that you can, we're right here. Community groups, service teams, like Connect and Sojourn Kids and the worship team and Seed team. You know, some of the best friendships in this church, some of the the closest friends, the tightest bonds, were people who met years ago when serving on Connect or some other team, or they just met in community group, and now uh, they they hang out together all the time. Some marriages have occurred that way, including my my own marriage occurred that way. (laughs) But we have one final problem talk about. Like in a movie, when you think the bad guy is about to be defeated, but he has one last dastardly trick up his sleeve, and it's the worst trick of all. Let's go back to Wonder Woman and Superman. Now, I don't know if Wonder Woman has a weakness, but can anyone shout out, tell me the one weakness that Superman has? Kryptonite. That's right. Kryptonite which is funny because it's from his home planet. The only thing on earth that can defeat Superman is the one thing that is not from earth. It's from his own home. We were created to have a home with God as our father in his never ending kingdom. But we have something inside of us called sin. And sometimes it shows up as lying or taking what doesn't belong to us or being mean to our friends family. It's that thing inside of you that even when you you wake up and you say, I'm really going to try to do the right thing today, and then you still end up doing the wrong thing. That's sin. We're affected. We're infected by sin. And when we're infected by sin, being in the presence of God is like being exposed to kryptonite. We can't go home to God. But Jesus is our antidote. He's the ultimate superhero. Even though he could destroy the universe and everything in it with just one word, he sacrificed himself for us on the cross so that we could go home to God. Look 
at Hebrews 1 verse 3. He, meaning Jesus, sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. In Colossians 1 verse 17, he existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Can you imagine if Wonder Woman and Superman were real and they were hanging out with Jesus and they were like, hey, Jesus, what's your superpower? And Jesus is like, oh, I just, you know, hold the universe together. Checkmate, Justice League. And now, if we trust Jesus, he's like the antidote that removes the power of sin within us. It means we can go home to God the Father. It's not kryptonite to us anymore. One more verse. Romans 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So Jesus is the antidote and he is the final proof that we are chosen. Let's keep this verse on the screen until I call for the next verse. You might be wondering here today, how do I know that I'm chosen? You keep saying he knows me and he chose me. And I can believe that he chose King David. And I can believe he chose my mom and dad. And I can believe he chose the pastors. But how do I know that he chose me? Well, according to this verse, if you can say, I know Jesus died for my sin, but I choose to believe he rose from the dead and I want him to be my Lord, then you are chosen. You're in. And Over the years, he will guide you. He will lead you. He will teach you. He will comfort you. He will be your friend. And someday, maybe a long, long time from now, you'll look back on your life and you'll realize that he was there all the time, even when you didn't know it. And that he actually chose you first, even when you didn't know it. But you don't have to try to wrap your mind around that today or figure that out. Remember what David said in his song, some mysteries are too great for me to understand. For today, it's simple. Do you want to be able to say he knows me and he chose me? Choose him. He will not reject you. For those of you who have already done that, I have another challenge for you, the Monday challenge. So we'll do this tomorrow. Think about this. Put this on the screen. Choose to reach out to someone who needs a friend. Take a picture of that if you're going to forget or write this down in your bulletin, take it home with you. Who's that one person? We all have one person. Maybe you work with them. Maybe you go to school with them. Uh, maybe it's someone in your own family, someone on the block, that one person that people don't like to go around. Who's the myrtle? Who's the smyrtle? Who's that one person? Do you know how much it would mean to that person if even one other person saw them? If even one other person talked to them, listened to them, reached out to them, included them, you can be that person. And to help you remember the motivation, the reason for doing this, because God has chosen and he's, he's accepted us. I put an insert in your bulletins. It says, he knows me and he chose me. This is for every young person and everyone who is young at heart. And it's very simple. You just bend it right down the middle. Now, we're not going to make a paper airplane with this. Just follow me here. You bend this right down the middle. Take it home with you. Go to your desk, your dresser drawer, anywhere where you're going to see it, and you just sit it right there. Here's a picture of my own daughter, Lydiana, with her He Knows Me and Chose Me card. Keep that somewhere where you're going to see it. And every time you walk by, reflect on this truth this week. 
He knows you and he chose you at great cost to himself. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took a loaf of bread like this one. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, just like I'm breaking this bread, my body will be broken for you. Then he took a cup of wine like this one. And he said, just like we pour red wine into this cup, my blood will be poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me until I come again. Because one day he will return. And just like the ark came back into the capital city of the Israelites and the presence of the Lord was there one day, the presence of the Lord in the body and the person of Jesus Christ will return. And we celebrate that here this morning. You'll come forward tearing off a piece of bread and dipping it into wine or juice as your conscience permits. We'll have uh, Gluten-free elements over here. The cups with, with wine will have strings of twine tied around them. And we'll also have a station in the back. So if you're in the back half of the room, you can turn around and get communion back there. The front half of the room, you come forward. If you're not a Christian, we ask that you don't come forward and partake of this meal because it symbolizes a reality that you haven't accepted yet. Instead, pray at your seat. Pray with the Christian who brought you. Pray with your parents. And we can prepare you to be baptized and to receive communion in the weeks and months to come. He knows everything about you, even the stuff you wish he didn't. And he still chose for you to be here today to hear this message. Choose him. Choose life. There's room in this family for you. Let's pray.